Thank you, Jason. Uh, our children can head out our children's church. Let me say this before our children are heading out. Just want to let you to know, I, I thank God for our children. Little Chloe sent, uh, brought me a uh, beautiful picture of three crosses this morning to remind me that she loved me, and I appreciate that very much. So, God is good. <clears throat> well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Amen. We're going to look at uh, two verses today in Romans chapter 6, verse 14 and verse 15. <laughs> the Bible says, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under law, but under grace? May it never be. May God bless the reading of his holy and precious word. Let me ask you, how many of you know this term, DUI? Some really just raised their hands. It means what? Driving under the influence. Let me ask you this. Who or what is influencing you in your life. In other words, what standard are you using to live by? It's very, very important because as a born-again believer, one of the things that I realized early on when I accepted the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ in my life by faith in Him, in Him alone, changes immediately happened. And what I found is as time went on, there were some changes that God had made that I actually even went back to. Uh, and it began to be in my life, in my walk with God, this incredible struggle in my life. And I don't know about you, but there's times in my life to where I, the very thing that I hate, I, I saw myself doing. Amen? And one of the things that I, I've realized in my life is it, it all starts with who and what is influencing your life. And I believe as I, I look in the message today, it's about God's grace. It's about his ability. It's God's ability. Grace is all about God's ability. And one of the things I've learned in my walk with God is that if you're not careful, even as a born-again believer, you'll put yourself back under the law. And one of the things that the grace of God has come to do is to set us free from the law. Because the reality is that you're going to see here today, it is paramount that you know that you can't keep the law. And one of the beautiful things is I've walked with God, and I appreciate God more today than I ever have. And I've walked with him for close to 30 years now. And I can assure you that the grace of God is becoming a more of a revolution in my life than ever before. Upcoming to the day before my uh, procedure and, and everything and that night, and, and my mind is, is being consumed. I'm trying to sleep, but I can't sleep very much. And so as I'm uh, thinking about the grace of God, and God is preparing me and giving me these incredible words to me to share. So as he was beginning to share all this with me, and I'm taking all this in, and I'm laying in my bed, and I'm thinking, man, this is amazing. And then it hit me. I said, well, I guess I'm going to make it through this procedure. 
because you've given me a lot to share here, God. So it's evident that you, you have a plan. And one of the things that I want us to see for the remaining of our year this year is that we become a part of the grace revolution. And that God is going to show us in the vision that God's given to me for our future as we move forward the rest of this year is going to be all about one theme, grace. God's amazing grace. It is changing my life. It has changed my life. And I believe it's the only thing that will change your life and change the world in which we live in. And Paul is speaking here of two things, under law, under grace. Law is always man trying to reach up to God by his own efforts. Law is about trying harder. Maybe you're here today and you've been trying and you've been trying and you've been trying not to do those things again. And you've been trying to do better. Well, I got news for you today. God's come to set you free. And some of us are not only trying hard, but we're working real hard. We're working real hard. Now, as I shared a little bit last week, I want you to get this definition because this is going to be an ongoing definition I want you to, to see and we're going to work with. It's this way. It's God's grace is God's unmerited ability for man that works in him, making him able to be and live what he cannot be and live in his own ability. That's grace. As we understand this, many times, as I shared before, we, we as preachers love uh, acrostics and things of that nature, and I'm one of them. And I heard this early on about a definition of grace. It's an acrostic, a G-R-A-C-E. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. I say hallelujah, amen. amen. And then we hear God's unmerited favor. Hallelujah, amen. But that just tells us about what its cost is. It's free. And it costs Jesus his son. It costs God his son Jesus for that. Grace is always God coming down to man. This is what's so precious to me. You see, the difference between law and grace is this. Law centers our lives on ourselves. And what we are going to accomplish for God. Many of us even put together our own plans and our own goals, how we are going to accomplish things for God. You see, law centers our lives on ourselves. Grace centers our lives on Christ. So today, what I want to do is I'm, I want to lay a foundation for us because as we get into the riches of his incredible grace as we go through this series, the foundation is critical. And so if you've done any kind of building and you're doing a foundation, you know that the foundation is really the most important part of building a building. And so it's important for us here to see today to understand something, and that is this incredible thing called what, it, what does it mean to be under the law? What does it mean to be under the law? Well, the law has with it basically three ideas in Scripture. It deals with this, that you as a born-again believer are no longer under the law. What law? The ceremonial law. The ceremonial law was that they would constantly bring a lamb to sacrifice on the altar for the atonement of their sins. And Jesus Christ came 
so that he would be the once and for all sacrifice that you no longer have to have a ceremonial sacrifice to fulfill the law, all right? That's one aspect of the law. Another law is the civil law. And it was a, uh, Israel was given precepts for the government of its civil state. Uh, that we're no longer under that law and neither were the Jewish people. Now watch this. The third aspect is the moral law. The moral law is God's rules for life that must be met and lived up to in the fullest order in order to have a relationship with God. In other words, <laughs> the law is given, and the law says, you, this is what you do, and this is what you don't do. In order for you to be accepted by God, then you must do these things and not do these things. And so there was this striving to always try to keep the law, the Ten Commandments and beyond, and try to figure out a way, this is what he said to do, this is what he said not to do. But if you realize in your own life, the more we try, the more we feel guilty, and the more frustration we experience. And what happens to us in real life is that we look for ways to handle our guilt, to handle those issues of life. For example, we, we will rationalize, well, you know, nobody's perfect. Or we'll go to the other extreme and become very hostile. And we become hostile and we begin to point fingers and blame and project our anger on somebody else. But you see, all of that comes from under the law of trying to find your acceptance through a do's and don't list. It just comes out. It's a natural process that happens in all of us. This is the aspect of the law Paul is talking about here. We are no longer under this moral law. Why? Because we are under grace. Now watch this. No amount of you trying can make you acceptable to God. So God in his amazing grace has done something for us. Look at this in, in Romans chapter 10 verse 4. It says this. For Christ is the end of the law. You see that? For Christ is the end of the law, watch this, for righteousness to everyone who believes. I don't know about you, but that excited me. Because in all my attempts and my fleshly desires within me to try to be righteous before God, there was days that I, I had good days, but there was days that I didn't have so good days. Can I get an amen from you? You see, but Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Listen, the qualifier is who believes. And this gift of grace is offered to everyone. This is paramount as we understand God's amazing grace. Now, now that Christ has come, there is no place for the law in man's approach to God. Now, why is that the case? Why cannot the law be the means of having a right relationship with God? That's what I want to deal with with my remaining time here today. 
Why is it the law cannot help me to have a right relationship with God? Watch this. Six things I want you to see here today. Number one is this. The law demands perfection. Now, I'm, I'm going to shock some of you here today. Do you realize in order for you to get to heaven, you must be perfect? You do. You must be perfect. You must have perfect righteousness. Now, the law demands perfection. You know what, you know what that's like? Think about it. It's like being in a relationship with someone that there is always an if, and they're always seeing if you measure up. Every little thing that you do, they're watching you to see if you are good enough. And I don't know about you, but I hate that. I hate that with a passion. But watch this, church. Listen to me. That's the law. That is the law. You see, the law is someone standing around you. And listen, no one can stand up against the law of God. No one. The law is perfect. Now listen to this verse in Romans chapter 3, verse 16. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that every mouth may be closed and all the world may be accountable to God. You see what the law does? It says, if you're not perfect, you got nothing to say. And the Bible tells us this. This is the plight of humanity. For all have sinned and continue to fall short of God's glory. And one of the beautiful things that you understand is if you are under the law, you are under sin. Because you can't break the power of sin in your life through your own efforts and through trying to measure up. And this is what we try to do. Mankind, listen, I'm going to tell you, mankind has a will in them that they believe in their heart. I can do this thing. And then God says, well, here's what you're trying to get to. Perfection. How'd you do today? Have you been perfect in your thoughts today? Have you been perfect in your attitudes today? Have you been perfect in your appetites today? I won't go there. Have you been perfect in your actions today? You see, we all miss it. Because the law demands perfection. Second thing about the law is this. The law was given to reveal man's sin. That's the purpose of the law. In Romans 3.20, it says, Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. Why? For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Look at this verse in Romans chapter 7. This is the Apostle Paul. Now, if you've studied God's Word at all, all of us would say the Apostle Paul, man, he's a man that's got it together, right? I mean, if there's anybody that was a spiritual man, you would say this man was it, right? I mean, he, he wrote the large portion of the New Testament. In Romans 7, verse 7, he says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. 
For I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. You see, the law says you can't do that. It comes along, listen, now, watch this. You, you see this in your kids. You see this in your own life. You, you tell your kids, now, you can't do that. Don't do that again. What do they do? It's the most amazing thing. It, it, it's incredible. And you know what happens? We get upset with them. I just told you not to do that, and you just did it. And you know what happens? We get really upset until the law comes to your heart and says, I told you not to do that. Why did you do it again? All of us are guilty. Not just our kids, but the kids' parents. You see, it's something when someone tells you that, they began to say, who do you think you are? You see, the purpose of the law was to make humans consciously aware of right and wrong and good and bad. You see, if there was no law, you wouldn't know that you were wrong. The problem was we didn't have the power to do the law. That's why we didn't have it. And you'll see this as we go through it. Here's the third thing I want you to see about the law is this. The law stimulates the very thing it forbids. This is amazing to me. In 1 Corinthians 15, 56, it says, the power of sin is the law. Now think about that. The power <coughs> of sin is the law. You see, the law causes a guilty conscience. What does a guilty conscience cause us to do? It motivates us, watch this, to try harder, to live better, to reach our standard, which creates more guilt because one cannot measure up to the standards of God. And you know what we do? We try harder and harder and harder. How many of you have said, I'm not going to do that again, and did it again? Now, if everybody in this room didn't raise their hand, the altar is going to be open for you in a minute, okay? Because <laughs> we've all been there. Amen? We've all been there. And we repeat it over and over. But see, that was God. God was trying to bring man to the end of himself. And we're, we're so, I, I can really do it this time. Man, Robert, I, I failed this time, but I, I, I learned something. I got some truth now. And man, because of this truth, man, I'm not going to do that again. I'll be really gracious. Give them a week. And there they are again. Here's the fourth thing about the law. The law kills. In 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6, it says, Who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter, what? Kills. But the Spirit gives life. Now, the reason why the law could not make sinful men righteous is that it's just an external code. You see, whereas the sinful hearts of men need a transforming inward power. 
you cannot, you see, the law cannot give that to you. The law only declares the word and will of God. That's what the law does. But it couldn't provide the power to sinful man to obey God's word and God's will for their life. Now, the written code condemned man as sinners and placed him under the judgment of death. Now, listen to me. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death. So no matter how much sin you have, whether it's a little or whether it's a lot, like your pastor, you get, watch this, equal. It's called death. Separation from God forever and ever. So you see, it, it blows my mind when I hear people compare themselves against somebody else. I mean, really? You got a little death. He's got a lot of death. But the common denominator is what? Death. Here's the fifth thing I want you to see about the law. The law leads to boasting in oneself. There's different forms of this that I've seen in my walk with God. I hear one person say, oh, man, I, I go to church all the time, and every time the doors open, I'm there, and I go to Bible studies, and I go to prayers, and, and, and I give my money, and, man, I, I'm serving out in the public, and, man, I'm, I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and, and, and that's wonderful. And then you have the other extreme, Oh, I'm just so unworthy. You know, I just can't be used by God because I'm just such a wicked and vile sinner. You see, watch this. One is up on themselves. The other is down on themselves. You see, the problem is themselves. That's what the law does. It leads to boasting in oneself. In Romans 2, 23, it says, You who boast in the law through your breaking the law, do you dishonor God? And what was happening is the Judaizers of Paul's day were going around and they were saying these long prayers and they were looking so, so righteous and they were telling people all the things that you need to do. Meanwhile, in their life, they were not living that. They were dishonoring God in their own life. Meanwhile, boasting all along about Don't I look good? Here's the sixth thing I want you to see. Is the law reveals human weakness. The law reveals human weakness. And really his, his own carnal desires. The Apostle Paul was a very spiritual man. We would all say amen to that. And he was a man of grace. He taught grace more than any person, anybody in, in God's word. And yet I want you to see... A testimony that he shared in Romans chapter 7. Turn there. Romans 7. I want you to see verse 18. He says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me. That is in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want I do not do, 
but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing that I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. Verse 24, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Now, let me just share something with you. In Romans chapter 7, it's almost like a parenthesis of chapters 5 and 6 that he's just been talking about. But the first five verses of Romans chapter 7 reveals a believer's relationship to the law. All right? Then he goes from there to show us what happens when we try to live under the law. Now, I want to give you an exercise for you to do this afternoon. I want you to take the chapter, Romans chapter 7, and I want you to circle every time you see the word law or commandment in that chapter, okay? Uh, and you'll be shocked at how many times it's spoken of. And then what I want you to do is also circle every time you see the word I or me or my. And then you'll get a good idea of what's happening in this letter. After looking at that, it's amazing to me because the first of all, as you look at this, just the word law and commandment, I just briefly looked over this morning, couldn't remember how many it was because I've done this before. It was 26 times. What do you think the focus of that chapter is about? It's the law. And the Apostle Paul understood this. And, and, and listen, he was a Judaizer. He was a Pharisee. Remember, as a Pharisee, they memorized the whole law. And so therefore, in, in order to be a Pharisee, you were, you were having to be this kind of... You had, they had some standards that were really up here. So and he, he's trying to internalize this word and bring it into reality. And it was a real struggle for him. And then you study and you see this word I and me and my, you would be shocked at how many times that's in that chapter. And so what I'm saying is, after looking at this chapter, you'll find where the focus of this man is. It's about living under the law. I am living under the law. Now, when a person who is living under the law, let me ask you this, where is their focus? It's on you. It's on you. And you see, what happens to us is that we focus, watch this, on my problem, my circumstance, on, I'm going to try harder, I'm going to do better. Let me ask you, is that the gospel? No. See, unfortunately, and I say this, unfortunately, Romans 7 is where most people live in Christendom today. The law, watch this, was an instrument of condemnation, of wrath, and death. That's what the law is for. Watch this. As he gets through with Romans chapter 7, 
you know, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? The apostle Paul is, listen, he has took and put himself under the law and trying to attain the righteousness of God through all the law that's out there for him to do and all his attempt of trying harder and working harder and memorizing more and doing more and praying more and giving more and doing more and so on and so forth more. It was finally he come to the end of himself and he recognized, wow, the law has condemned me. I am not perfect. I have missed the mark. And the very thing that I hate, I'm doing. And listen, it's not going away. I want to keep doing it more and more. And the more it says, don't do it, I see myself going toward it. What in the world is wrong with me? Who can deliver me? I am a slave. I am under a master that is condemning me and condemning me with the wrath of God that says you must be punished and the punishment is death wow listen to me church you got to hear the bad news before you hear the good news okay and it's as a as a as a pastor as my heart is is so grace-filled right now I didn't even want to go here I wanted to start with grace I really did. I tried to figure out every way I could go around this. But I knew until we understood this and we laid this as a foundation, you would not, you would not appreciate grace. And you see, the law was there for this very reason. Don't miss this today. The law was to point us to the one who could set us free. His name is Jesus Christ. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 22, I love this. Oh, this is going to set you free, church, and I'm going to close. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin. You see, can we all say amen to that? I mean, you, are you perfect? Uh, are you going to be perfect? No, okay. You can't get better, though, right? There we go. But the Scripture has shut up everyone under sin. Remember where sin comes from? It comes from the law. You don't know that you are sinning and you are a sinner until you have what? A standard. And the standard is the law of God. Now watch this. But the Scripture has shut up everyone under sin. Why? so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Verse 26, for you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Give him a hand, amen? See, this is our hope. This is what God has come to deliver us from. Church, listen to me. You are going to fail. I'm not prophesying that over you. But the reality is that we will fail. And listen, you will not be accepted because you have not failed or have failed. You'll be accepted on one thing, the promise of faith in Jesus Christ alone. It's grace, grace, grace. Can I tell you what happens? The more... I looked and studied 
the commandments of God and wanted to know the precepts and the principles of God. And I diligently sought them, wrote them, memorized them, meditated on them, and watch this. I said, I'm going to do this. I'm a type A personality. I'm going to do this. I can do this. I got the truth. I know I can do it. And you know what happened? It wasn't very long before I was not doing it. And let me tell you what happened to me. I began to think, I must, have got, I must not have gotten saved. I must not have been born again. I didn't get it. Because, man, man, I, I, I'm in bondage here. I, I know the right thing to do, and I'm not doing it. I'm trying real hard. And listen, I, I, I do all the right things that he told me to do, and I, I still keep failing. God. Won't you just kill me? Can I say a prayer and you take me home? That way I won't mess up no more. That's how I thought. But what was God doing in that process was this. I started in grace. And I went into the law. And I started living my life under the law. You know a, a true, very red light in your life when you know that you're living under the law, you ready? You're not going to like it, but I'm going to tell you. You start becoming critical, condemning, and criticizing of others in your life. You know why you do that? Because you're living under the law, not under grace. I know that. Mm. But what happened to me in the study of God's law in trying to live up to the law, the law did its work in me. Because for the first time, God began to show to me the depths of my despair, the depths of my despondency, and the depths of my disobedience. And you know what came upon me? The depths of depression. And then, and then, but God, being rich in his mercy because of his great love, by grace reached down to my dead soul and make it, made me alive to him. I cried out to Jesus and I began to thank him for delivering me from the curse of the law that I could not keep. And for the first time in my life, I realized, oh, God, it's all about your grace. It's what you have done for us and what you're going to do in us and through us that I cannot do by myself. Hallelujah. I praise Jesus. I boast in Jesus because it's in Jesus that we have everything pertaining to life and godliness. Now, some of you are still trying to sanctify yourself. Bless your heart. I was, and I feel for you. You're putting yourself under the law because it's in Jesus that he sanctifies you. He redeems you. He gives you wisdom, and he makes you righteous. That's why the Apostle Paul says, let him who boasts 
boast in the Lord. I'm here to tell you, church, the grace of God through the Lord Jesus Christ is your only hope. But you've got to understand, as we move forward from here, we're going to see the powerful blessing of grace in what God has done through Jesus Christ. He's the only one that has fulfilled the law. Now watch this. Jesus came because, listen, God's standards doesn't change. You still must be holy. You still must be perfect. And so what did God do? He sent his son as a man, watch this, to live as a man on this earth and lived under the law and fulfilled the whole law. And then went to the cross to pay for all of us who have not fulfilled the law. So that therefore he became a curse for us. So that therefore we could be free of the curse. So that we could live in the freedom and righteousness of Jesus Christ alone. Is all to him be glory. That's why as long as I'm your pastor here, I got one message. Grace. And that grace is in one name, Jesus Christ. Get used to it because that's all I got to tell you because I have nothing else to offer you but him. Do you know him today? Do you know him today? He loves you. He loves you. Listen, God didn't turn his back on you when you sinned. God didn't turn his back on you and forsake you when you failed him again and again. You may be in bondage here today, and you may have an addiction here today that is keeping you in bondage. You say, I'm going to try harder. God said, let go of trying and come, and let me cover you with my grace, and let me fill you with my spirit, and then I will show you how to live a new life based on me and not on you. I know what it's like to be in bondage. God delivered me over 29 years ago. I know what it's like to try to do better. You know, the person and those who love you saying, you sorry, you no good. You're never going to be anything. Why do you keep on doing the same old thing? You know better than that. Why do you keep on doing that? Well, I can't stop. I can't stop. You ever been there? Then I met Jesus who forgave me and made me righteous. And now I'm living on his resource and in the power of his righteousness. And you know what? I still miss it from time to time. But I got great news for you. I'll never worry again whether God accepts me because I know he accepts me. Whether I do everything right today or whether I do everything wrong today. Nothing changes in my relationship with him because it was resolved through one man, one person, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. And because of my faith in him and the promise he offered to me, I received it, believed it, and I have become a brand new person in Jesus Christ. Amen. God loves you. I don't know where you are today. But will you give up trying today? Because you can't get there. God come to give you freedom. That's why the gospel is the gospel of peace. I don't know about you, but I was in turmoil in my life for a long time. Right, Tom? And I'm telling you, I had no peace. 
I tried everything out there to get peace. Relationships, drugs, alcohol, every, you, you name it. Work, performance. Couldn't get it. And then God says, you can't get it. Because it's not something you do. It's something I give you. I don't, listen, I don't fight for victory no more. I walk in the victory he's given me in Jesus. Amen. Every morning I get up, God, thank you. I am the righteousness of Christ. I am a righteous saint of God. I'm not just a sinner saved by grace. I am a saint of the living God who's been made righteous forever and ever. All because of your son. I praise you, Lord. Amen. Father, I can't thank you enough for the revelation that the law was given to show us you demand perfection. The law will not change. But thank you, God, that we are no longer under the law as a born-again believer in Jesus Christ by faith in your promise that you've offered to us the perfection of Christ to us we can have new life, a free gift of righteousness, a gift of wisdom and sanctification and redemption. God, I can't praise you enough. I can't thank you enough. God, may today be somebody's revelation that they, they realize that I've been trying, I've been working, I've been wanting to be right, but I, I just can't do it. God, may they come to the end of their proverbial self today and just humble themselves and receive by faith the wonderful gift of your grace. Oh, God, may it happen today. And yet, Lord, many of your people here, maybe they have taken grace, and then they turn grace into an opportunity for their own flesh, and they're in bondage again. Grace will never reject them. Grace is right there where they are and wants to bring them back to the freedom that's found in that intimate love relationship with you. And yet, Lord, some of us in this room started out in grace, and we are starting to live our life under the law again. And we know that because of the attitudes. I'm so quick to point out where people fall short, where people are not living up to their standards. And I keep failing, and I keep condemning myself. We know we're living under the law. We've, we've left grace. So God, bring us all back to your grace today. Let freedom happen in this place as only you can bring about. Have your way, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. As God spoken to your heart, the altar is open here for you. <coughs> you come as God leads you. You're in need of prayer. I'll be glad to help you in any way. You come as God leads you. Won't keep you long. <laughs>